Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Today, I'm so happy to introduce you to my new friend. She lives in New York. Oh my goodness, I wonder what the weather is like today. Um, And I'm on the central coast of California, so we are pretty much as far away as we could get, but I really like her already. This is Amy Debrick. Is that correct? Did I say it correct, Amy? Perfect, Sue. That's perfect. Okay, great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, sure. Amy is a mother of four kids, which uh, gives all sorts of um, credibility right there. And uh, she's an author and a podcaster. And I did notice in her write-up that she's not just a podcaster of Life on Purpose, which of course fits so well with Make It Count Living Legacy Life. But she is the founder of uh, Life on Purpose Movement. So I want to hear all about that. And I want to hear about your family, Amy, and I'm going to let you talk in just a sec. But if you could tell us first about your family, your ministry, and then we're going to get into the legacy question. So go ahead, dear Amy, go. Sounds great. Um, well, first of all, there's snow here. So oh. if you're wondering how cold it is, yesterday they actually we had a snow day on Monday. Yesterday school was two hour delay because it was in the negative temperatures. So um, that's what it's like on the on the East Coast right now. But this is um, January, and this will be broadcast not in January. So do you get, you don't get snow in summer, of course. We don't, but we've had snow in May. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I am a weather wimp. Okay. So are you from New York? Yeah. So I was born and raised here. We live in a a very small town in um, central New York. We're about 20 miles east of Syracuse. And um, so we, we do, we really enjoy it. We're used to it. You either have to embrace the winters or you have to run from it. So yep, I think yep. we we embraced it early on with our kids and tried to get them outdoors and skiing and all that good stuff. So, um, but yep, I'm a mom of four, a wife to run, three of our kids. Like you said, they're out there on the West Coast near you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in Oregon or actually Washington. And, um, and then my youngest daughter, we say she gets the short end of the stick at the moment in time. She's a sophomore in high school. And so she's stuck with us until everybody heads back, hopefully in a few years. But, um, you know, life on purpose was something that I would have never planned for. Hmm. Um, I've always been a very private person and, um, it was really something that God laid on my heart for sure. Uh, through just uh, struggles that I had faced. And um, so I had a, a moment uh, at a cancer diagnosis about almost 11 years ago that uh, was a pivotal moment in my life where I had to surrender all of my fears. And uh, let me interrupt you for a minute. Your voice is cutting out a little bit, so I'm not sure people heard. You had a cancer diagnosis how long ago? Uh, almost 11 years ago. Okay. And what a shock, huh? A uh, very huge shock, but uh, you know, before that diagnosis, I had already been living a, a life of anxiety and fear mm. um, because of two other tragedies that had occurred in uh, uh, my mid twenties. My oldest brother had uh, passed away from a, a brain tumor, mm. and then uh, sixteen days later, my firstborn son passed away unexpectedly. 
um, from an undetected heart abnormality. So how those old, years leading. How old was he when he died? He was four months. Oh, he was four months old. So leading those years, 15 years uh, leading up to that diagnosis, I had already kind of been living a life of um, just fear and, and anxiety, like I had said. And so for me, the diagnosis, like I said, was a, a pivotal moment. It was a, a, a calling from God of, you know, what are we going to do with this now? You know, my worst case scenario now had come true, you know, because when you live in fear and anxiety, you're always worried about the next thing that's going to happen either to you or to my other kids that I had had after that. And, and so I, in that moment, it was the surrendering. And so after that uh, time, I realized that that was the first time in my life at 40 that I was really living on purpose. And so that really kind of became a mission. Um, and that's where the movement began was to really share my story with other women and other people. So they knew that they weren't alone because I was somebody who was, like I said, very private. Um, I was embarrassed to share that. Mm. Um, I didn't want anyone to know that uh, it felt weak that I couldn't really kind of master this anxiety and fear on my own. And so once I kind of reconciled with that, that it wasn't just about me, it was a trust issue really that I had with God in my faith walk and kind of trans uh, transferring from a more of an immature faith or what I call it to more of mature faith. Um, that's what started this movement. And so then I Let me ask started you, writing. I want, I want to um, back up a little bit. So because of these two tragedies early on, like in your 20s, and then mm -hmm. you got diagnosed diagnosis for cancer at 40, was it at the diagnosis that you go, Why, wait, I have been uh, living in fear and worry for good reason. I mean, humanly speaking, for good reason for the last uh, 15 years. So now I'm just going to pivot and no longer be afraid. So there must have been some sort of um, an awakening to who you were, who Amy was at that point, and a decision to not be that worry, wart, fretting, anxious person living in fear. So can you describe that transition? Because I'm sure you just didn't pop in and all of a sudden you're magically yeah. a person who wants to share your story for the glory of God. So explain that because as women, we like the details. Sure. So absolutely. No, it wasn't. And even when I began sharing my story, it was way out of my comfort zone. It was a, more of an act of obedience because I felt like God was on my heart. Um, no, I, for me, it was a turning point because I had known I was living in fear and anxiety, but I wasn't, I hadn't been willing at that point until the diagnosis to let it go and surrender all of that to God. Okay. So the surrendering was the pivotal moment. Okay. From then, from, from, from then on, I've always said it's a daily choice in my life to surrender. When you are an anxious person and when you have experienced things that would easily produce anxiety, because obviously we don't know what the future is going to hold, um, that, that's an easy default. To, to go back to that. Sure. But when you start practicing, and this is a, a daily intentional choice that an action that I make to not do that, to try to break that habit by surrendering it every day, 
that's really, really where my life started changing. But I had to make that decision in that moment. And it was after that diagnosis that I did that because what I think people don't realize when you're in that mindset and you're in that um, moment of living in constant anxiety and fear is that you forget you forget what it's like to live outside of that. And it's so much more freeing when you can let that go. And for me, it was a huge release of that burden once I surrendered that. And so that, that was almost an immediate feeling when I, when I actually let it go. And I, and I just said, God, just take it from here. Um, And I think once you experience that, that's the, that's what keeps bringing you back. That's what keeps making me make that intentional decision because I know how freeing that is when you are able to give it up. But see, Amy, I think um, a normal reaction would be, oh, I've been worrying all these years that something bad would happen. And guess what? Something bad happened. So now I could be bitter or Mm -hmm. angry or disappointed in God or not really believe that he says that he is who he says he is, or just give up, give in to our worries. And I think that could be a very common uh, response for someone who lives in uh, a state of anxiety. What I just, I love what you just said though. Once you saw the, it's kind of like you saw a peak, uh, you peeked into the light of freedom of once I surrender, like it doesn't really matter that I have cancer. I mean, really, that's what that's what surrender is, that it doesn't right. matter because God is in control. He loves me more than life itself. And if he allows me to die of cancer, even the next six months, it's all for his glory. I mean, that sounds foolish to the non-believer, but as a believer, that's what surrender is. And so when you've seen that light, I love how you pictured it. You've really, you, you experience a bit of freedom, maybe just five minutes or, or an hour or a day. And you go, wow, this is so delightful. This is why God told us in Philippians, be anxious for nothing. I always say, well, it's obviously Paul had no daughters. He would have never told me to be anxious for nothing. <laughs> you know, I have three daughters. Of course I'm anxious. Right. You know, of course right. I'm anxious. And then God's, you know, has to bring me down, you know, calm down, Sue. Uh, he, he, he knows that uh, Paul knew that you could trust me. So trust me. So, so right. that moved into a book and into a movement. Um, tell us about why you call it life on purpose. I call it life on purpose because for years I wasn't living on purpose. I was just going through each day. And I think a lot of times um, when you are a personality like mine, where I had kind of said in the beginning, it wasn't something that I shared. And so if you had met, if you met me Sue, during that time, during those dark years, you wouldn't have known that I was experiencing such severe anxiety behind the scenes. You know, I was the master of saving face, but the reality was I was, and I still did all the things, you know, I went on to have four more kids and, you know, we, you know, we still had moments and memories and all that. But when you're so mentally distracted by the what ifs, you don't lock into those memories and moments. I have so many things that I can't recall from when my kids were little because I was just getting through the day. 
Mm-hmm. And so, yes, there were laughter and we vacationed and we had parties and all this, all the normal things. I wasn't like a recluse and in my bed all day, depressed and down. I, I wasn't any of that, but I was mentally distracted by all of the what ifs. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's a, a, a big thing for people to recognize when you are doing that, you're not living on purpose. You're just getting through the day. And there is a big difference. Mm-hmm. How would you describe living on purpose? Living on purpose for me is the ability now to pay attention to things that I missed before. Things that might seem insignificant, but, but you know, having my mind actually present on what's going on at the time instead of having you and I talking, Sue, and then me really thinking about a hundred other things and distracted by that and not really even remembering once we're done here today, like what we were talking about and, and how important the conversation is or something that you might have said to me that, you know, re- should really have stuck with me. Those are the things I missed, you know, I, and I think God did send me a lot of signs and signals along the way. I kind of jokingly say, you know, he couldn't, the cancer diagnosis, I feel like was his big grand finale. Like if you can't see this, then, you know, we're really going to have a problem here, mm-hmm. but he did send those things along the way, but I was too distracted to, to recognize them and to, to really dig in. So now living on purposes is really pausing and, and appreciating the pause and really taking it all in all the small moments with my kids, even if it's chaotic or, you know, not fun, I'm there, I'm present and I'm able to be mentally present now. And how does, what does that have to do with spirituality, your walk with God living on purpose? Well, living on purpose at the end of the day is for me is always trusting God over what I can control and what I cannot control. And so that's what it is. I mean, I I wouldn't be able to live on purpose if I still had this trust issue that I was wrestling with with God. And, And if you had asked me 15 years ago, if I had a trust issue I was wrestling with, I would have said, oh, that's ridiculous. I'm a believer. I always believed I never wavered. Even when my brother and son died, I didn't have that component. I know a lot of people do, and it's understandable, but I didn't. But I was still in the driver's seat and I was kind of putting him in the back and I thought I could use him. Great. And I thought I could figure it out myself. So definitely a a deeper relationship and all of that is what life on purpose is for me. And how do you continue to cultivate it? So you live even with more deeper trust or is there like a, I guess I should ask it this way. Is there a trigger that makes you go back into living with what ifs because all every mother lives with what ifs as soon as the baby comes out of the birth canal you are no longer in control of life because you don't know what's what will happen and so we could stay up all night with our what ifs we become experts with what ifs so what is a trigger personally for you amy that gets you off off trusting god with all your mind heart and soul triggers for me for sure are health health things because that was the initial trigger that started it all with my brother's brain tumor diagnosis and my my son's issue uh so health stuff is always can be a trigger and i know it and it's important to know your triggers Mm -hmm. um but i think the more you are aware um the more you can rein them in. You know, like I said, 
it's never going to go away. Like you said, when you have children or you have other people that you're accountable for, or you feel, you know, you're accountable for you, you feel a responsibility. And so you want to be around for them and you want to fix things. And that's the control part of, I feel like just being a woman in general and a mom and a wife is you want to, you want to fix it. You, you, you're capable and you feel like you should be able to do it. But, um, there is something hugely freeing about saying, even when it is my children and I'm unsure, or I feel whatever is to be able to logically say, okay, this is what I can do. And I have to give the rest up to God and, and I have to be okay with however that's going to look. And so do I, is it easy? And me saying that it, it sounds so flippant. It, it is not easy. It's just a daily action that I have to choose to do. And when I don't, I feel it. And when I do, I feel it. Mm-hmm. When I don't, I feel it. And everybody around me feels it as far as. Me too. <laughs> me too. Like, how did me I too. get so wild in my thoughts? They just go on to the next one and the next one. I love it that God's word is so true where he wants us to rein in our imaginations. I think uh, he knew, he, of course, he knows our weaknesses. And I love that part. Um, so you, just to go quickly to your book, um, Embolden, you, you have four parts, it seems. And let me just read the parts for our listeners. To be uh, fearless, to be kind, to resist temptation, and to grow where they are planted. These seem to be four points that you want to make sure in the book and in your course. And, and it's, it's uh, described as a course for young people, but of course, I think this is for all ages and genders, and that we need to be kind, of course, and we need to be fearless. But why um, did you pick those four things? And the name of the book, again, is Embolden, and then what's the tagline? Uh, Brave Steps to Help You Conquer Fears and Insecurities. So here's a little plug of it right here. And uh, Amy has uh, graciously offered to do a giveaway this week. So if you make a comment on the show notes, on my blog, or on Instagram, you'll be entered for that book. So back to my question, why did you choose these four points? You know, my oldest daughter and I created this together and we just sat down two different generations and thought, you know, what are, what are the really sticking points for women, for women of her age, she's in her twenties for women of my age, you know, I'm 50 now. And these are the four that we felt like never age out. Mm. You know, like you said, there's always, uh, we always need to be fearless. Things are constantly changing. The world is constantly changing. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. There's so many ways to feel fearful. Mm-hmm. And so we thought that was really important. Um, kindness, you know, I, I feel like that's another place where, especially in these days of social media, it's so easy to be critical and so much harder and rarer sometimes to be kind. And so I think it's just nice to have some accountability there. Temptation as well. You know, it it looks different for different age groups, how the temptation is, but sometimes it doesn't, you know, when she and I were sitting and creating, it's like temptation for both of us could be scrolling. Maybe she's scrolling on a different social media platform than I am, but it's still a temptation out there. It's still, you know, gossip can be a temptation for adult women, just as much as other things can be a temptation for younger women. And then growth, I think that's something that we all strive for. 
it doesn't really matter what age you are or what gender you are. You know, we all want to be better versions of ourselves and how can we do that? And so that was really the important part of creating Embolden is trying to set people up for success. So we're setting up somebody who maybe is a new believer altogether and giving them some tools and prompts to let them dig a little deeper. And for a seasoned Christian to have them really dig a lot deeper in what they know and, and takes things to the next level. You know, I mean, everybody's at a different place in their walk and we didn't want to make any assumptions of how that looked and where that was, but it gave everybody the tools to do what they needed to where they were today. Is it, um, <clears throat> I haven't seen the inside of your book, <clears throat> excuse me, but is it like a course, like question answer? And would you do it with your daughter if she would want to do it with you? Or would you just do it on your own? You know, really you could do it either way. Um, there are some women's groups that are doing it as a study, um, but it's very unique to the individual. So how I would use it if you were doing it with your daughter, which I think is a wonderful way to do it, is to share some of those vulnerabilities. There are questions. It's going to be unique. Your answer is going to be different than your daughter's answer, but how nice for her maybe to hear a couple of things that maybe she you hadn't shared before that were some places that you have found fear in your life or what, what are you, where are you looking to grow or different things. So I, I think it's a wonderful thing to do together, but we did want to also set it up for someone to be able to do it alone because they might not be, they might not have their person yet. Maybe it's a young adult. You know I mean? My daughter, she's in her twenties and maybe she doesn't have the group yet where she's formed, but we're hoping that this will finish with them and then give them that confidence to find their people now to yeah. find their group and feel better about knowing how to get there and do it. Okay. And you know, my podcast is on legacy, so I can guess your legacy, but I'd like you to articulate it for our audience today. What legacy do you want to pass down to those who know and love you? My probably the biggest thing would be trusting God first. Mm-hmm. And I think when you do that, everything else falls into place. You know, the integrity piece, you know, following God and not the world. Um, all of those things, I just feel like will naturally, you know, come along after you trust God first. Mm. And that's a hard, that's a hard uh, legacy, but I, it's definitely doable. And it, and it takes intentional um, action and effort, which I think we all, we all need. I like it that you use the word first because everybody says, oh yeah, I want to trust God. But when you say trust God first, go into that a little bit more. What do you mean? I just think that if you can establish everything around, like if you are on a, your goals for your life, for your family, for your future, start with trusting God's word at the very core. First thing you do then you can kind of formulate your goals and all of that around it mm. without having to worry about fear and worry and um, maybe, you know, your whatever that is. It could be fear in finances, fear in if I'm going to have children someday, fear how my children might turn out someday and all of that. So I think if that's the center of everything else, that's how your legacy could really play out in a, in a beautiful way. Mm. Yeah. It reminds me of Matthew six thirty three. Interesting. Uh, my oldest just bought a house and it's been a year of worry for her as far as 
um, trying to make this next step in her life uh, amongst some other things. <clears throat> and so when it finally came through at 1030 at night, about four weeks ago, and I said, well, how do you feel, honey? And she said, broke. And because um, <laughs> it was in San Francisco. Um, and then I said, well, I feel like God is really showing his favor. I mean, I didn't want to spiritualize it too much. Um, and it's you have to be careful when you're talking to your uh, adult children that they don't get turned off. But she wrote right back, mom, I, f- I thought of Matthew 6.33. Seek first the mm-hmm. kingdom of God and all these things. All these things yeah. in her life included a beautiful home. And that's not true for everybody, but all the things that God wants us to have will follow suit when we seek him first, when we trust him first. So what a beautiful story that is. And I think you've already shared with us uh, some of the difficulties or obstacles that have come to you to trusting God first. But was there anything else that you wanted to share where you say, my legacy is I want people to know that I trusted God first, but where is that where has that been hard or how have you overcome an obstacle to doing that very thing? Hmm. I would say not living in fear is the biggest way I'm able to trust God first. You know, you can't do both. I, I tried to for years. It doesn't work. Um, I, I can tell listeners that, that you, you can't run in both lanes. Um, and so not living in fear to me is what, like I said earlier, equates living on purpose. And, um, and also to that, like I said, also is that it's the control piece. And so if you can, if you can let go of the control, I do think it's important for us to, to be intentional and accountable, um, for what we do in in our lives. And I, I, certainly not advocating like just let it go and what however the chips fall they fall right. you know, I, I mean we, I, we do have, we have to do something I always say yeah it doesn't mean that Jesus wants to sit wants us to sit on the curb you know in front of our right. home and watch the world go by and right. say are you coming back today Lord no of course of course but right. I think as women in particular at least me I should just own it it's easy to cross over from today I'm going to do this to-do list Mm-hmm. And be in control and get something done today and not waste this day because I want to live on legacy, right? I want to live on purpose. Right. And right. when something comes in and messes up that, like our sound didn't work this morning when we we're trying to get on Zoom from New York to California, it didn't work. So I thought, okay, you know, it's you surrender the day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Hopefully it'll work tomorrow. Right. And that way I don't live with that anxiety and pit in my stomach. So I think right. the things that that we love the most, we have the hardest to surrender, like our children, our husbands. Absolutely. Yeah. And when we don't really care about them, it's like, oh, well, of course I trust God. So it's like this right. conundrum of God gives us these great people to love, but the price of that great relationship is that we need to surrender it every day. We do. Yeah. And I, I, and I can't express enough how once I was able to reconcile with that, Sue, that was the most freeing part of my life. Mm. It is stressful when you don't know, but there also is something that's so not stressful about like, okay, this is all I am capable of doing. I am willing to do the work in every aspect, but I do have limitations. He has none. And so once I can you know, let that go and let him take over, it's like the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, yep. Okay, as we close off, is there any other bit of wisdom that I haven't asked about that you'd like to share with my audience? I would just say if there's any tools or, or anything, because like I said, you know, surrendering and, and all of that is not an easy feat. I know it takes some work, but I would just, you know, there's probably maybe four things that I would make sure I would do. The first is identify what's holding you back in your life. Mm. You know, whether it's a closer or more intimate relationship with God or whether it's a relationship with family or whatever your fears are, identify why that is and where that's coming from. I think that's one of the most important things that I had to really do. And then, you know, pay attention. Can you give me an example briefly? What's holding you back? What was holding you back? Well, for me, what I ha- what I came to find out without necessarily recognizing it was I had a trust issue with God. Okay. I didn't realize that. You know, sometimes we have fears, but we should really find out what the root of those are coming from. Right. You know, and so that was mine. But I didn't. If you had asked me, I hadn't really thought much about it. I was just kept fearing, so I, I never really addressed what the problem was. And then I would just pay attention to where you're investing your time. You know, I think we do have a lot of um, abilities to, or opportunities rather, to really address these things, but we are wasting our time on things that are not helping us, you know, looking at other people's reels, comparing ourselves to this and wasting our time. And we could probably be using our time in a better way to help ourselves, help our relationships become deeper and stronger, strengthen our faith. Um, and then I would make the necessary changes. It's not easy. As you and I said, it's not easy to surrender. It's not easy to, um, once you know what your, what the root of your fear is or what's holding you back to do something with it, but you have to do something with it. You know, that's where, that's where change happens. And that's normally a good thing. And normally when we're uncomfortable, that's normally where the most growth happens. And so, you know, and then the last thing I would say is to really, Show yourself grace and acknowledge each small step that's going in the right direction. Because the smallest thing that somebody, you know, we might overlook like, oh, that's not a big deal. Well, you know what? It could be a huge difference in your life. And and when you look back, all of those small steps um, collectively are a big win. Mm -hmm. So you said uh, where we are most uncomfortable is the most growth. Well, I don't really like that at all. But <laughs> my brother told me none of us do, Sue. I I was telling my oldest brother once that I had failed in this area, and I go, well, you know, it's really disappointing, blah blah blah. And of course, he's the oldest, so he tells me what to do. But he said, well, Sue, fa- you learn a lot more from failure than you do from success. I go, well, I don't, I still don't like that, but it's true. So we might as well say, Lord, I'm growing now, and it hurts. And I'm uncomfortable, but at least I'm talking to God about it, right? And then that would be your right. small win. That would be your small step. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to God, even though I still can't get out of the bed yet. But I have one, right. I have one toe wiggling underneath the blanket, coming out gradually because at least I'm talking to God about my fears, right? That's right. So celebrate right. those wins. Oh, this has been so practical as well as inspirational, Amy. I'm so glad that the sound connected and that we could talk today and thank you so much where can people find you and i know that you're a speaker as well as a author where can people find you right now and i'll put it in show notes as well you can find me on my website at amydeborg.com you can find me on facebook instagram i'm mostly on instagram but 
I'm in all of those places. Golden page on Pinterest. Um, okay. so yeah, you can find me anywhere. The course is on my website. Anything you could really utilize my website. Uh, one thing I wanted to add is something I'd like to say, and I've discovered it through the years, is that the more uh, the more accurate vision we have of God, knowledge of God, and the more accurate knowledge of ourselves, uh, the better off we'll be. Most of the world's problems would be solved if we actually trusted God for who he says he is. And if we actually saw ourselves for the weak vessels that we are, like in Psalm uh, 103, oh Lord, I can't do it. And I'm just dust. Would you pick up this dust today? Get me out of bed and help me to do the next thing. So praise God for your um, movement, uh, for how God has healed you really of your fear, because we all live in fear of something. And I know that this will be such a blessing for my listeners today. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.